The episode you are about to hear contains explicit words. The opinions within are those of the hosts and in no way imply that anyone listening to this podcast agrees with anything we say. Please send complaints to this flippin' podcast at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 98 of this flipping podcast. We are recording with daylight hours, which Crazy. is weird for us, but I got a snow day from school. Uh, Taylor is recording on his end directly from the Reese Rails production facility, Should the, also known as the garage. The garage. I'm in the, uh, I'm in I'm, the shipping department right now, actually. I'm actually in my, my bedroom. Uh, I'm set up there. I just let the dogs out. They're good to go. And uh, we had a lot of stuff to cover because pinball's been busy lately. Uh, we're entering the busy season of pinball. Next weekend, I'm in Denver. Two weeks after that, I am in Texas, as are you. Yep. Pinburg ticket sales happened. Two-second two sellout. Oh, that's right. I forgot uh, about that. I've traveled to Wisconsin and visited the wonderful folks at Spooky Pinball this past week. Uh, and I got to obviously play some Rick and Morty as well as, uh, Alice Cooper nightmare castle. So we're going to talk a, a good amount about those games and top of whatever else we venture off into. Oh, and wrestling season has concluded as of this past weekend. Yay. And, uh, we had a good year. I think since we last talked, my team went on to win, uh, regionals and semi-state. And then we had two kids place at the state finals uh, for the first time since 2004. So it was a it was a good conclusion to the season. And uh, we already started off-season stuff this week. I had practice Tuesday. Jesus. And I was supposed to uh, practice today. But we have a snow day, so there's no practice. Yeah, so that's con- what I've been up to. Congratulations. How about you, Taylor? What are you doing? Wrapping things? I am wrapping rails. Um I have, yeah, I'm, I'm in my garage right now wrapping rails. Tommy hit me up and told me he had a snow day. And I said, we were, su- we're supposed to record, we were supposed to record on Tuesday. My, my kids are like, it's getting really busy. And so Tuesday didn't work for me. And then we're supposed to record tonight, but I'm supposed to go to a school meeting to, to um, fight for my kids' rights to get an education. So, um, yeah, so it's busy. So this actually works out. I, but yeah, I played in a tournament. Um, I played in a tournament. And how did you do? I did not do well. Um, but it was, but it was a tournament. I went to um, the Richmond Pinball Collective. Is a Stern Army location. I I am one of those as well. Yeah, so it's a Stern Army location, and they're doing their monthlies. And I don't know if it's. It's just a, I think it was a three-strike format, three or four, groups of four. And um, it was on Sunday, like 1 o'clock, and we were kind of quiet day at the house, so I ran in there. Yeah, I did not, I did not play well. I um, had horrendous games on most notable uh, Star Trek pro stern star trek pro i had a horrible game it's a game that i can normally i can do pretty well on 
I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't play well. But you know what? I have to say, I've been on this, I've been on this diet, and I think I mentioned it on the last episode, maybe. Yeah, we did go over our, our dietary plans. So I'm on this diet, or I was on a diet that ended the second of um, February. So it was 30 days. And I haven't really introduced a lot of like carbs back into my diet. And I think that I'm just fucking tired. <laughs> I'm like, I've lost a lot of weight. And I'm at the point where I feel like, um, yeah, I think it's affecting the way that I, I played. Yeah, because you're too skinny, man. You're unhealthy. I'm, I might be unhealthy right now. Yeah, don't worry. Texas barbecue is coming up. We're gonna fix that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna. Um, yeah, we're gonna have barbecue. Who was it? Who was talking oh, about going wait. to barbecue? Scott Larson. Yeah, Scott definitely brought it up. I think he uh, said that he was paying. I think he's taking us to get barbecue. I mean, I'm not one to turn down a free meal. Um, I've got some bets going with some other friends that involve uh, the winner of the bet buying a meal as well which I'm pretty sure I will be the one uh, getting the meal from that. What's the so bet? So I'm looking forward to eating free. What's the bet? Um, can you not he was t- selling a game, and I think basically I told him he was undervaluing it, and he didn't believe me, and he posted it for a lower price. So I, being the good friend I am, uh, took his his post, and I quoted it, in a reply being like, wow, such a good deal. But in the quote, I altered the price to increase it, forcing him to therefore increase the price. And, uh, I, I I believe that it will end up, uh, being sold for that price or close to it. Uh, essentially I am just going to be right. I have a good feeling on that. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm psyched for that. Like, I know last time we talked, I, I just mentioned how long wrestling season is, and it, it was. But then, like, the kids finishing so strong for the year, um, and we're, like, right on the cusp of as a team, as, like, a program of, like, we could do really amazing things. So, like, when Saturday ended at state, the state finals, although it was awesome that we had two guys that were all state, um, and I'm very proud of them. And it was great to be a part of those kids. Like one kid's graduating and he's wrestling for the University of Indianapolis next year. And the other one's going into his senior year. I was still just like disappointed in how close, like small changes. We could have won matches and been wrestling for state championships instead of fifth place and seventh place. So anyway, like come Monday, I really want to just get back into the wrestling room and start working with some of our younger kids that are doing the offseason stuff. So that was exciting. Well, I have to tell you that Kristen saw the picture you posted on Facebook. Kristen is my wife. And Kristen, yes. Kristen was like, so I saw a picture of Tommy, uh, like a wrestling picture. And I was like, yeah. And, he, and she was like, she, he was standing next to wrestlers that looked like they won something. And he looked really, really, really disappointed. <laughs> and I and I explained that I explained it to her that like your guys had like gotten really close Um and I, yeah, yeah, I think from what you said, like there were a couple like tight matches at the end or whatever that just cost them. And it was kind of like a, a little bit of a letdown. Not that you're not proud yeah. of them, but it was like you were on the exactly. cusp, you know. But yeah, she was like, yeah, ask Tommy why he was so upset. And so that, I'm, I'm, that, that is basically it. Uh, my, my heavyweight, who's fortunately a junior, lost two one point matches. Um, 
in a row. Uh, that's why he ended up wrestling for seventh. And then my uh, my senior at 132 got beat in overtime. Um, they're just it, it's at the state level. It's it's very similar to pinball where you have a you know a very elite group that makes it to those finals. And once you do, it's it's who's having the better day. Um, and occasionally you get a weight class that has somebody like a Keith Elwin, who's, you know, everyone knows they're most likely going to win. Yeah. Um, but at a lot of the weights, it's just very much who's having the better tournament. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see. It's a, it's a weirdly emotional experience too, because like I, I had forgotten cause I haven't traveled with the team to semi-state in a couple of years uh, cause I'm just usually working in our semi states, like two and a half hours away. But, uh, <clears throat> there's a round they call the ticket round. You win, you, you punch your ticket. You're going to the state finals. And that's like, you know, that's what most kids goals are when they're going to do a sport and to see kids lose in that round, like how emotional they get. And it hurts so bad as a coach. Cause you know how much I've experienced that. Like, you know how much it hurts and sucks. And I was like, that was kind of what I was talking about last time where I was like, things just impact me more. And I don't remember it being like that. Yeah. And I, I talked to a few of my buddies who are coaches as well at one of the events. I think it was at semi-state or state. And they were just like, yeah, uh, yeah, man, did you forget? And I was like, I think I did. He was like, it's so much worse than when you're the wrestler because as the wrestler, you're in control and you know, like it's your fault what you did on the mat or not. But as the coach, like, you take it on for multiple kids and you blame yourself for their loss that you didn't prepare them and you feel their pain plus your pain. And I was like, Oh yeah. So I, it was good to know that I'm not alone in feeling that, but we had, we took eight kids to semi-state. Uh, so over half of our team made it to semi-state and there, there's 16 kids per weight and seven of our kids won the first match. So we had seven kids in the ticket round and four of them won in the second round. So three of them, you know, were a match away and two of them lost really close matches there. And you see, luckily, two of those were juniors and then one's a senior. You know, his career's over and uh, that sort of stuff. And then the team score came down to literally the last three weight classes and we were able to win the team score at semi-state. That was the first time they'd won. Oh, that's awesome. Team semi-state yeah. in like 30 years. So that was really cool. I thought it was the first time ever, but it turned out there was a, a time where they did like – way back in the day <clears throat> so that was good like i said strong finish uh and then I, I came back from the state finals i got home close to 1 a.m on saturday and i was up and down at the bar on sunday morning getting ready because we hosted our monthly tournament on sunday uh, at the exact same time you were playing in yours i was playing in our monthly tournament uh 1 p.m and that's your that's your stern one uh that's just our monthly four strikes tournament we don't put this i'm not big on the uh advertising the stern army thing i do think they do some good stuff but i mostly just use it for the launch party aspect oh, okay which we did with stranger things i think the week before which went terrible oh no uh, well we uh, we talked about that on the last episode that you were you talked i think we did about you selling it yeah i was trying to uh nobody wants it oh, unfortunately it's got a bad um, it's got a bad reputation right now yeah, so we only had five people show up to the launch party, but there was, I think, six launch parties in the state of Indiana or something all that weekend. So they were kind of spread out and not as big of a deal as they used to be where you'd like... I remember driving to Chicago for launch parties because they were the only places that would have games a couple of years ago. And yeah. now it's just... It's everywhere. So it's a good thing. 
but it it's makes it not as fun. Uh, Iron Maiden and Stranger Things launch parties were terrible for me at my location. Um, Jurassic Park's launch party was great. I had like 30 people show up. So uh, it just seems to depend on what the game is and how it works out with everyone else's schedules and where they're being hosted and stuff. But did, uh, did you have cake? Did you have an early Jurassic Park? Uh, yeah, pretty early. I mean, that's, I think that's one thing is like, if you have an oversaturation, I mean, even Stranger Things, I think the launch parties really happened a lot later than the release than most of the time. Right. I mean, it seems yeah, like normally game, it's like I think a game, I'd had the game for a month right. instead of like a couple of days before the party. I think so, that you're right. That makes a difference. Um, but obviously if there's, and so if there's a ton on location as well, it's not going to get people to drive just to check out the game. Cause I, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the way they they released that was cool. That it was basically like, "Hey, we're announcing, we're officially announcing this game, and it's on location." Um, I think, unfortunately, it released with code that was really early, and um, yeah, I think that that you know, I think that a lot of people kind of were were bummed by the code. I know that recent code even. Um, New code has had problems with crashing. Yeah, a, I've a heard lot, that. a lot of crashing. I haven't experienced it, but I also haven't played it a ton. I I will say I know I I raved and ranted a little bit about Stranger Things last time. Um, I still absolutely do not love the game. I'm still disappointed in the game. Um, just again, not that it's necessarily bad. It's just not my interpretation of what the game would have been with that theme. But the code update and the ability to kill the Demogorgons by bashing them and not just shooting it into the mouth is a huge improvement. So it was great that they got that integrated in as quickly as they did. Um, but yeah, I've heard reports. I saw a lot of people worried about the launch parties and which version of code to run because of the crashes. I think they are somewhat tied to a turn the heat up mode um, from what I've heard, which is on the season two side of the, the play field. Um but again, I I have not experienced that on my machine, but I've probably played like five games on it since the code update. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Haven't seen it. Haven't heard any reports of it. My one-way gate underneath the Demogorgon broke again. Oh. Fixed it again. Um, otherwise, it's been pretty solid for me. It did end up being my top earner, um, but it, it because it's a dollar a play. Uh, but the Demo Man that I added the same week, actually was right near it with the same number of plays it's just cheaper to play um so that was i thought was kind of interesting um but yeah that part's going well so what's the deal with the ball hang-ups on on stranger things is that the uh, is that the gate you're talking about that's the gate yeah okay. there's a one-way gate so you shoot under you drop the drop targets you shoot up the middle and the ball kind of goes into a little metal ball guy and curves <laughs> out to the left there's a one-way gate there so that the ball can't roll back up through and start a mode. Oh, copy um, that. Yep. Yeah, but a lot of operators have just straight up removed that gate because it's not it's not something that happens often. Um, and if it does, it doesn't really seem like a huge impact to the gameplay. So if mine were to come out again, I will probably completely remove it. But I, it was in the tournament on Sunday when it happened, of course. So I had to move the people off of that game temporarily and then fix it while they were playing their other game. But anyway, the ball the ball was stuck in long enough that through ball search it didn't find it, and it kicked out another ball and threw everything off. And, yeah. Yeah. 
And then I, I read something about, or maybe somebody told me about an issue with the magnet lock where the ball I've, would like stick to the back wall and then the second one would go. But it, I, I don't know. It just sounded like there were some weird issues. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard the, the premium stuff. Um, somebody released a video of different type screen material to put on the projection areas that makes it look a lot better. That was interesting. It's called Black Diamond something. If you check out the owner's thread, uh, there's a lot of mentioning. And there's like he did like a five-minute comparison video of the uh, factory production material versus the one that he came up with or was using. It's pretty neat stuff. Um it's cool to see very much like the, the alien machines um, with our hobbies growth and with the number of very intelligent people we have out here in our hobby, not saying that you or I are one of those, trust me, I'm aware, hey, hey, hey. Um, but they exist and they've, they're able to solve a lot of these problems. These machines have like alien was essentially kept alive by hobbyists and hobbyists are now improving things on stranger things and it's just neat to see how quickly people are finding solutions to stuff that is deemed a problem yeah um but it, it has gotten better like i said it was my top earner um it's just i just don't enjoy as, it playing it as much as i do you know jurassic park um and i don't think there's a lot that's going to change that and that's all right maybe some other people do love it uh there seems to be plenty of owners in the owner's thread that do but I've also seen a lot of people post them for sale pretty quickly. I know uh, there's been at least three pros for sale in Indiana. And to my knowledge, none of them were because somebody was upgrading to a premium or an LE. It was just not their cup of tea, uh, which that, that didn't help me selling mine either. Since <laughs> there was some all over the state for sale already. Saturation, uh, man. Saturation. Yeah. You got, um, yeah. Well, and I get it when like, you know, there's a game that's, yeah, my game's, basically brand new but it's not brand new and for a couple hundred bucks more you can get brand new i can yeah. see why people would do it it makes sense uh my game does have so like you bought you bought a show game before right yep my my maiden uh, was a show game did you happen to check how many plays were on it from the show i i did but i do not remember it was pretty Tip. it was it was played non-stop yeah, so typically what I've heard from shows is like three to four hundred plays is pretty common, yeah. depending on the length of the show. And my game, even though it's been on the floor for almost a month now, it does not have that many plays on it. So that gives you kind of an idea of, you know, yeah, it's you can get a better deal at a show game with a few more plays than what mine's gotten a month, that sort of thing. So I, I understand, plus with Texas Pinball Festival coming up and the Midwest Gaming Classic where Marco does their show game deals, a lot of people who want a discount are going to get them that way as well. And uh, again, I get it, and hopefully the game keeps earning for me a little bit, and hopefully the code keeps improving and it does become something that I, I find a little bit more enjoyable. We shall see. But on that note, I will do one of our amazing transitions oh, to was, a game that I got to play that, was smooth. Uh, that I did enjoy. Uh, I am really digging Rick and Morty so far. And uh, just like you're saying with the whole uh, uh, Stranger Things having some crash issues on the latest code update, um, Rick and Morty had a few bugs in the initial code that shipped um, roughly a little over a week ago. And I believe they've released five or six code updates 
in the last week or two since the game started shipping as they are squashing out bugs as soon as they pop up and doing a lot to uh, be very proactive about getting the games playing well. And it's uh, it's a very challenging game. I can see a lot of casual players being a little turned off by the speed. I know Scott mentioned in an interview that he lives on the tiers of players or something along those lines. And uh, I can see how that's going to happen. Uh, but when you do have a really good game, then it feels super, super rewarding and good. I was fortunate enough to do that the other night. Uh, I got, I think I played all the modes that are currently in the game. and I got a couple multi-balls. There's only the one multi-ball in the, in the game right now, but I think I started it three times maybe. In that game, um, I traveled to, I think it was at least five or six dimensions because that's how you like the extra ball, and I was able to do that. And uh, I, I had fun playing it the whole time. So I am enjoying that one a lot. And I, I rode up with Dan St. John from Main Street Amusements uh, because he got one of the very early Bloodsucker editions. I think he's like number 30 or 35, something like that, <clears throat> to Spooky Pinball in Benton, Wisconsin. It was a very long day. Uh, it was roughly 12 hours of travel with you know gas stops and rest stops and whatnot. Uh, we got back and set up the game and played it. And it was really cool to see Spooky's facility and how much it's grown and how many machines they had there built or in the process of being built. And uh, it's just, again, it's a, it's a fun company to support. Um, I think part of what I like about them so much is how much they own their mistakes yeah, and are openly open about how they're always looking to improve things um, from their code to their production, to their, their build quality. Uh, it is all, I don't know. I enjoy it. Whereas I feel some of the other companies either don't address their mistakes or flat out like deny them like the clear code issues and stuff. Uh, you know, nobody out there is perfect. Um, we had a little bit of, of uh, squabble on our Facebook page with some CPR stuff this past week. Segway. Uh, Segway, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I I think Stu just hadn't seen my second post, but CPR released a Frontier Bat Glass, which I was really happy to see because I needed one months ago, and I'd already bought one from BG Resto. Um, so I made a joke about, hey, can someone order one and check the text for me? And in my mind, it was a lighthearted joke. I, I really didn't mean to offend, but there was recently, as you are aware, if you listen to the show and or your Taylor, uh, some misprints on the Meteor playfield where they're missing some text. So in my mind, I was making like a lighthearted joke at that. And then, you know, below that, I commented like, hey, look, we all make mistakes. The vast majority of CPR's products have been, you know, incredibly good and they really help save a lot of games and contribute a lot to the hobby. Uh, but Stu took a little bit of an offense to that. So my apologies if you were offended. Uh, again, it was in my mind a lighthearted joke and I have multiple CPR products. I really appreciate what they do. I actually just installed some of their plastics on my Dragon Fist in the past week. Um, and they just released as of yesterday Viking back glasses, yep. which I don't really need because my Viking back glass is awesome. But they also released a mirrored version of it, which was not how it was produced initially. And it was one of the few games from that time period of Bally that's not mirrored. And I, there's a guy in the Netherlands who's actually been making mirrored Viking back glasses for like years. And I've been emailing with him for the last couple of weeks about ordering one. 
and they're like $450 shipped to the US. And I was still going to do it because it looks so good. And then CPR released one uh, last night. And now I don't have to order from the Netherlands. So that's that's a positive thing. And that's like my only ballet that's not a mirrored back glass. So I kind of really want to waste money on it and make it look mirrored like all my other ones. So to, to backtrack a little bit and to address the <laughs> issue about the CPR meteor play fields and Stu's comments on her Facebook page. So I think what's important for people to understand is that our Facebook page is our Facebook page and the it's our Facebook page. So we're going to post whatever the fuck we want on there. And I don't feel like there were any cheap shots. Like, yeah, certainly like you made a joke, but they forgot to put, they forgot to put text on their meteor play fields. Now I had, I had one, I sent it back and I had great communication from Kevin at CPR. He was just like, Hey man, if you're not happy, like he, like we went through what fixes people were working on and stuff like that. And Kevin's just like, Hey, if you're not happy with it, send it back for a full refund. No issues. Great communication. I sent it back. I got a refund. But it still happened. You know, I mean, it's like we're making light of it. And I understand, like, I mean, I run a small pinball business. Now, I'm not, like, doing high-scale stuff like... I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to say it. I don't... It's not... I, I You're get, an independent contractor doing everything on your own, right? But I also, I also, are, I also understand the the emotional tie you have to the product you're putting out, right? So, I I get that, but I feel like the way that he he came on, he came on our so my my relationship with CPR, Kevin at CPR, dealing with my meteor playfield was exceptional. It was like, hey, I'm not happy with the product. He's like, hey, no problem, send it back. So I did. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man, I, I don't appreciate somebody coming on our Facebook page and like basically calling us out somehow, like we're doing something like terribly disrespectful by making light of something that did happen. You know, it's like, that's a kind of, that's kind of a big fuck up to just not include text. And I don't feel like we gave them a ton of shit about it. It was like, yeah, this happened blah, blah, blah. I'm surprised it happened, but yeah, I don't know, man, that, that left a bad taste in my mouth, especially like when we have people who are listeners who post stuff that get called out by Stu and then he basically disappears, which is like, all right, so you come on, you come on our page, you fucking like start up a bunch of shit and then you duck out. And the thing is, it's like this idea of like a public Facebook page like I'll own it, but if you go to somebody else's Facebook page and you see the shit they're posting, it's like, and I even posted to him, I said, you know, it's glass houses. Cause if you go to his Facebook page, you see the shit he's posting on his Facebook page. So, you know, and I'm not going to get into what's on his Facebook page, but I certainly looked at that and it was like, oh, okay, so this is where this guy's coming from. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I was, I was pretty surprised by that, but, um, and I had people. Uh, I had. I had he, people. He tends to have a reputation as not the greatest communicator. But, but he's a representative. He, he's a representative of CPR. So CPR's only like public thing where they come out and say this shit is him coming on our Facebook page, 
ragging on people because I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine. Okay, albeit like a listener who's posting on our our this little podcast Facebook page, but I'm having a conversation with a friend of mine explaining like what I'm doing, like the options, because he has a meteor play field. You know, he's looking to do a full restoration. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, in, my, in the comment that I made, because, you know, Stu was basically like, hey, if you're not fucking happy with it, send it back. Now, that's not verbatim. But basically, that was, that was the idea. And it's like, well, it's not that easy because people would people want the playfields because you have a playfield, like you have a meteor playfield that's brand new. Um, they're going to offer digital prints eventually, but maybe you don't want a digital print. So you're trying to make like the comments that were made on our Facebook page was, uh, was by somebody trying to work out what they wanted to do because they did. I do feel like they wanted to hold on to it, but whatever. I just think it's, I don't know. It left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, I said, still excited when they release a product I need and appreciate it. But yeah, uh, I, I got that vibe from the whole conversation. It was a little, I was hoping for a reply from Stu to be there like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize it was lighthearted or a joke. You know, I took, and I get it because I think Stu does the art. So maybe he did feel personally attacked by it. Uh, but, you know, not really in my tensions. I was trying to make make light of a, a situation where some people weren't happy, but again, CPR was taking care of them one way or another. Not that it was a perfect solution, but you know, they're trying their best as well. So, eh, it is what it is, man. <clears throat> Not a huge deal as far as I'm concerned, but we'll move on. And when they have something I need, like a, or don't need, but just want like a mirrored Viking back glass, I'm going to be right there with my, my hard earned money. As I'd say here on my snow day for my job, getting paid. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, I did see Stu also mentioned somebody happened to comment. I shared the Viking back glass to our page. Uh, he didn't comment. I'm guessing he's just abandoned us or something, but uh, I saw on another place where it was shared. Somebody asked if they were doing play fields for Viking and he said, yes, um, they've actually already been CNC'd. So that was cool. Um, although mine is really nice. Whoever did the clear coat on it, roughly whatever it was, 15 to 20 years ago at this point, um, it's kind of brittle at some spots. Like it's a little bit harder than other clear coat, which I know is not the typical clear coat problem where it's too soft, but I'm worried about it like eventually breaking or chipping. And I really love that game. And I just love the artwork, so I wouldn't mind just having a playfield around. Uh, I've really, I've gotten, I've become a little bit of a playfield addict, man. I just really like playfields. I think the art is so great. I know you're like an art collector, and you like various arts, and you're an artist yourself. And I'm not artistic, and I, I have like some random things I like, but like pinball playfield art to me is just so beautiful, and it's like functional. And I know what it can become and the joy it can bring. I don't know. Anyway, I'm looking forward to see when they release that as well, because. That would be something I would be into. I would I would be totally into a Viking Playfield. I don't yeah, know, I don't know, work on that game is awesome. I don't own a Viking, but that is the game I would I would buy in a heartbeat. Um so good. So good. Yeah. And the playfields uh, are a playfields are just roached on a lot of those on games. The vast majority of them, yeah. They get they they I think they didn't make a ton. So I don't think they sold a ton, but I think the ones they sold were really enjoyed and played heavily wherever they went to. 
because uh, yeah, the vast majority that I've come across over the years have been uh, loved by having steel balls rolled across them in excessive amounts. Uh, back to some Rick and Morty. Uh, I may as well kind of go over uh, my first impressions or whatever. But um, I watched the stream with Jack Danger from up at Wisconsin, and I think they're doing another <clears throat> stream this Saturday from the same location, potentially, as they're hosting an official launch party for the game there. But uh, obviously, if you watch that, you saw some of the shots were not feeding great. Um, the upper flipper shots most specifically. And they have since made some adjustments to that game. Uh, Spooky, one of their factory guys, Luke, uh, who's been there with them forever. I think we mentioned him last episode. He's put out a series of small YouTube videos already that are really nice, like short 30 seconds to a couple minutes, depending on what it is, showing you like, hey, if your game is having this issue, adjust this which I thought was really cool that Spooky's doing that. Um, little things like that. But uh, what I largely found is that those upper flipper shots, so they remind me a lot of the Shadow because the Shadow has a upper flipper in a similar location. Uh, but what throws me off is the Shadow being one of my favorite games and playing it a lot. I can hit that loop pretty well. So in my brain, like that upper flipper, that's where that shot's at. And that's not at all where the shot's at on the flipper in Rick and Morty. So after playing a few games on it, once I found it, it wasn't actually that hard of a shot to hit. It just takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, and then the garage shot, which is intended to be the hardest shot on the game from the upper flipper, um, it is. But it's also very doable once you, again, learn kind of where that shot is at on the flipper. So uh, I enjoyed it. started playing that more. Um, starting the modes is somewhat easy. You got to shoot the ramps, which lights the middle scoop. Um, and just so if any of you are fortunate enough to already have a Rick and Morty or have one near you that you're traveling to play, I thought I found a bug in the code where I shot the ramps and then the scoop did not light. And I was like, oh, well, it must be just a, a bug. You know, it's not ready for the mode. I'm so confused. You shoot the scoop. Nothing happens. I thought maybe just the light was out. But what has in fact happened is if you shoot the ramp, to light start mode and the center scoop is not lit look at your orbit shots either the right orbit into the portal or the left orbit into the garage access from the portal um that means what you have actually gotten ready to start is pickle rick mode and pickle rick mode starts from the garage shot because in that episode of the show pickle rick is in the garage to start with so it makes complete sense, and it's another great example of theme integration. But apparently that was Bowen's idea, and Spooky posted about that to clarify confusion for somebody else who had asked about it, and uh, that made a lot of sense. And I went back and tested it, and sure enough, I, I was able to do it again, realized my start mode at the scoop was not lit, but my garage arrows were purple, which is the same color that start mode would, would be. You shoot the garage, and you start the pickle rick mode. Uh, the modes are varied in what it requires you to shoot, it requires you to shoot all over the play field, which I know we've talked about before is one of my favorite things about a game where you're not able to just rinse and repeat a certain shot, um, but instead are required to shoot a variety of shots around the play field, and each of them seems to be doing something. That's always nice. The play fields, I know that they, Spooky has posted about like 
improving the quality of their clear coat and having some of the best play fields around. Um, I can tell you that my America's Most Haunted, that's like six or seven years old now, uh, down to the bar. That's, it's actually Mark's, but it's originally the game that I own. So the same machine. That play field still looks amazing. Um, and it's sitting right next to Iron Maiden and Jurassic Park, which both look worse for the wear compared to it as far as dimples go. And then when we actually visited the the Spooky Factory, it's it's one thing to look at the you know twenty to thirty machines that they have on in various stages on the assembly line and see the play fields, but they also had their prototype test machine there, and uh, I looked at it very closely and I couldn't find dimples in it, man. It looks like their play fields are holding up really well. How? Same thing with Main Street Amusements. Um, how, the how? game's been there a week now, and I've gone down to play it like I said a few times. And Dan has even said himself that it's been hard for him to make any adjustments to the game because people have been playing it nonstop since wow. it was put there. Wow. Um, I know several people who have traveled up from Indianapolis to come play it already, as well as other areas, because it's one of the first on location. Uh, I don't know what spooky secret is, but the play fields look freaking nice, man. And I know there was a batch of TNAs that had some issues. So, like, they're not flawless, and spooky addressed that. Um, they worked with people, they got people new play fields. Uh, so, I mean, again, they're not, they're not perfect, but they're, they're working to improve. Um, I don't expect any of the companies to ever come out and just say what they did because the reality is they are a business and it is competition and you don't want other companies just stealing what you've worked for. I assume at least, but, uh, something they're doing something right with their play fields. That's all I know. I don't, I don't know how they're doing that. I don't know how you make a play field out of wood and, prevent it from dimpling i don't know either i'm not a scientist i mean you know my my concern would be if you're because if like my theory has been on the newer play fields like once they went to a thicker clear coat was that you know you still had wood compression underneath the clear and then the fact the clear didn't dimple basically meant that the clear was separating from the wood Right, so you would have the dimpling. I, don't, I still don't understand how that would work, right? Um, but like, if you think about a car, a car has a clear coat that even if it gets bumped, it like your. I don't know. There's parts where if you push on your, if you push on the car, it'll just pop back out, right? There's flexibility in the clear. Um, I don't know. I'm not a um, clear coat expert. Yeah, but I don't. Either. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, That's good to hear, though, that they've somebody figured something out yeah it like i said we'll see how they hold up long term it's obviously a very short test period but it looks good um trying to think what else there is with it man the art package looks good the lcd looks good they changed their back box design so it's more like the modern sterns where the display just kind of folds down and you have access to the boards so you don't have to remove the back glass to do code updates and stuff the usb drive is right there um, it's incredibly easy to stream from Jack danger mentions it in the stream that they have an HDMI out. So you can just plug it into your capture card essentially. And you've immediately directly captured the display and the audio for your stream. So that's a nice improvement for streamers. Um, I, I am impressed with the game. I'm enjoyed it so far. I think it has a lot of potential. I double checked. I'm, I think I'm number like 546 or 536, something like that. But I ordered one of the standard editions, so they'll be built last. So I have roughly. Can you explain uh, that to me? Explain. Ex so you said that Dan's was one of the first blood suckers or the first blood sucker. 
No, so basically, what like Stern's mean? got their so similar to the Pro Premium Limited Edition, right. Ricky just does a uh, regular standard, right? And then a they call it the Bloodsucker Edition this time, but essentially an LE, right? But can anybody? Um, but up- they, yeah, go ahead. Yes, they did not limit it, right? And their whole thing was that that version would be built first. That well, if you wanted all the tr- from, if you wanted all the tricks, you would get your game first. Yeah. Okay. You would basically it's like I think it included the the powder coating. Um I don't know, powder coating, maybe speaker lights, some other stuff basically. Now what right? comes what comes factory on a pro? Like So okay. everything's the same gameplay wise. It's all cosmetics. So okay. I guess it's more similar to Jersey Jack's old model, at least before Wonka. Um, and it was $500 more. What about like shaker motor and stuff like that? I don't think shaker motor was included, but you can upgrade. Like, so when your game is getting ready to be built, they send you stuff. Yeah. They send you basically a features list of, do you want this added in? That's awesome. And yeah, it's kind of nice. Cause that's, that's an advantage of not being a necessarily mass production facility. Um, but there's still a lot more personal one-on-one stuff with customers um and you have that option as your game is being built and they contact you a couple weeks before it's going to hit the line so you can get all that stuff ordered and then they build it and they bill you uh but anyway what they were going to do is build all the bloodsucker edition ones first and from the best estimates that i've seen in the different various threads for it is they sold roughly 730 ish of the bloodsucker edition and only like 20 of the standard editions. Oh, look at that. Who's got the LE now, suckas? Yeah, so mine will technically be more limited, um, but I have a long wait for the game. Um, I was actually asked by uh, a, a local person who I've sold a game to before, and he's, he's pretty active on Pinside. But if, if you've been paying any attention, a lot of people have been selling their uh, Rick and Morty spots since it was limited to 750 and profiting on them pretty decently yeah um and he just flat out asked me he's like why aren't you selling your spot like you have a long wait you've already got one you can play you know you've been known to wheel and deal and it's just one of those things where like i I want the game i enjoy it i like supporting spooky i I don't want to profit on their end I, i talked a little bit about it with katie and charlie while i was up there yeah um how do they feel about it uh, I mean, they don't like it, but basically they're like, there's not much we can do about it. Like, yeah. once you've paid for your spot, it's your spot, you know. Um, they said they did find out that somebody, uh, they didn't name anybody specific, but they said a they said a person was going around to distributors and trying to buy up any spots they could and then selling them. So basically they, they didn't tell me the name, but they said they gave that name to their distributors and basically blacklisted that person wow. from buying anything. Um, which I thought was pretty cool, you know, so they're trying to do a little something at least, but you know, in the end they made the the deal for how many would be produced with cartoon network. Um, Charlie did tell me that, you know, they, they make that deal because that gives them their 18 months of production, keeps them busy, but also because they already have two more licenses that they're being worked on. And uh, those licenses also have a time frame on when they need to be built and stuff. So like they've got, you know, although we, we know they're busy for the next 18 months with Spooky or with, sorry, with uh, Rick and Morty, that they they already have their plans for the you know, next 36 months after Rick and Morty, per se, maybe, with whatever those next licenses are. 
we don't know it yet, but they know it. So now are these are these spooky cool. lights? Are these going to be spooky games or are these going to be contracted I, games? Kind of like I didn't ask any details at all. He just said they had their next two licenses ready to go and they were already on the clock. So wow, that was that, that was all I got. I didn't pry for any more information because I kind of like. Uh, I like being surprised by the lack of leaks from Spooky. Like when Rick and Morty was announced, it was a genuine surprise for a lot of us. Um, I enjoy that. It feels like Christmas as a pinball person when you find out there's a new game and you haven't heard rumors about what it is and stuff. Uh, Stern releasing the heavy metal thing. I don't, I think it's just the Star Wars home edition redone. Um, but kind of cool that they, you know, pop that out as a surprise. And I'm still, I think they said March 20th, which is right before TPF. So I'm hoping there's one there. It'd be cool to see it. I'm curious about it. Nothing I want to own, but still cool. Now that looks like it's a, in partnership with a toy company, if I'm not mistaken, that. Um, I think I remember if it's a toy or a comic, but yeah, it's with something. I think it's a, I think that the, the people they tie, sorry, I'm wrapping, I'm wrapping quick silver rails right now. One of these. Ooh, is, are they mine? One of these is yours. I have seven sets. Of Quicksilver? Yep. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't. I, I'll let you know. I know I ordered them, obviously, but my my buddy Dane is the one producing ball guides for that game. I, uh, I, don't know, <clears> I just got. I got pounded with Quicksilver orders. I have. Yeah, he he posted that he could make the the metal ball guides for the game. Yeah. In the owner's thread and in like a custom build thread he's doing because he's building one from scratch. Oh no! Nice. And I think he has around thirty orders for Shit. custom for for side rails, not side rails, but metal ball guides. Yeah. So don't be surprised if you get a bunch more Quicksilver side rails orders. I, I was, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Like all of a sudden it was like Quicksilver, Quicksilver. Maybe it was, I don't, I don't think I advertised, but I don't advertise. I, I might have told a few people you could do them. Sorry. Oh, really? <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. I just like, all of a sudden it's, it's really interesting to see like what comes in because What's interesting is I have had no meteor rails ordered yet. Um, I wonder why. Well, no. Now, I, now to, to be fair, and exact, and so this is, again, classic Stern game. We're talking about, you know, classic Stern play fields. I bought a play field for, for Quicksilver from Mirko. Yeah. That's who's reproduced those. Um, mine honestly seems really good and okay. Dane has now bought two play fields from him. And both of them have had soft clear coat and they're missing key lines on the star rollover inserts. Um, I know a Oops. guy in Indianapolis who bought one and the same thing, softer clear coat and it's missing key lines for the star rollover inserts. So there's that? another playfield manufacturer again, missing something seemingly, seemingly simple from their playfield. Um, and then addition, it's got clear coat issues. And Marco, I apparently am fortunate. Marco has had issues with, art missing since his first run of attack from Mars. I mean, oh, John, really? oh yeah. My first attack from Mars. Shit. I'm trying to think I had, I'm trying to think if it's a, no, the first attack from Mars I got, I sent it back cause it was so fucked up. Like every insert had cracking around it. I mean, it was like so bad. Um, so I sent that one back and then the one I got, uh shit. I think the one I got back was fine. Or maybe I sold that one and got another one. I don't know. I went I went through like two or three playfields before I settled on the one that I was going to actually keep. And one of the super jackpot shots 
on I think the lobster ramp, which is the right, or no, the cow ramp, which is the right ramp. One of the uh, keystones at the bottom, well, it's not a keystone if it's at the bottom, but it basically looks like a keystone at the bottom of the insert was just not printed. So all the other, all the other little keystone looking ink areas were done, but this one. So I sent that off to Chris Hutchins at High End Pins and he fixed it, painted it, airbrushed it or whatever, and then re-cleared it. So on top of like a $1,000 play field, I spent another $600 to get it fixed. So, you know, Whitewater, he had the issue with the hat, the uh, Whitewater, it was the inside of the hat of Wet Willie in the center of the play field was missing art. I don't, I don't get that. I don't, you know, like one of my suspicions with that was like, I, was, I wondered if there was a requirement to make a change, right? So that there was a way that you could actually distinguish uh, his play fields or something. I don't know. It just seemed like a really weird miss, you know? But, Tom, are you still there? Oh, I'm here. Okay. I'm just listening. Yeah, so. It's one of those things, I think, I think making a play field is hard. Um, and even if we go back to, uh, the older days, if you look at like Bram Stoker's Dracula, I know that those play fields were produced by two different companies and one of them is more desirable. Yes. I always forget which one is which. And I know like oh, specifically man. for me, creature from the black lagoon, you have the hot pink and the light pink versions of that play field. Yep. Um, I hate the light pink version. I think it makes the game look old and dirty no matter what, no matter how nice of a play field it is. Whereas the hot pink makes it look very much like a pin that was made in the 90s that is reflecting the golden era of the 50s. And I love it. <clears throat> so it, it's, I think that's one of those things. Making a play field has always been hard and will always continue to be hard. Um, well, one, one thing I know where we want it. We want it perfect, and it's just hard to do that. But so one thing that one thing that Mirko started to do, and I don't know if he's still doing this. I think one of the things that's it's good for the hobby, but it's detrimental for those for those manufacturers of new playfields, is that there's this. I think there's an idea because of competition, you have to keep secret what you're working on. Now I know that Mirko has. I think he did it with his Adams Family playfield. Like actually posted pictures online. Mm. And and ask people to check the art prior to printing. Oh yeah, that's definitely smart. But I don't know that they're. I don't know if he's still doing that because you know it's like CPR and him seem to drop playfields at the same time of the same title. Um, but that's certainly something. I mean, you know, like the meteor playfield was. It's a tough one too because I feel like the way the way that play fields are released. So like, you know, CPR does a, you know, they do like a, not a pre-order, but they do an interest check basically. And, you know, you sign up and then the, you know, you'll get called, you'll, you know, you'll get an email. And I think part of it is kind of, you know, cause I, you know, I looked at, I got the email. I looked at the picture they sent, I think, and I bought it immediately because I, you know, personally, I, I probably had time, but my fear was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to miss out. Um, oh, absolutely. That's my concern with that Viking. I know they just didn't make a ton of Viking games. Right. 
So in my mind, if they only run a batch of 20 play fields or 30 play fields, it's like, crap, you, you want to get just it. grab one now just in case. And that's, and that's why I think, like, because Berto, Berto commented on our Facebook page about that, like, that's who I was talking to. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you have a play field in hand, right? So, like, if you have a play field in hand, people are going to figure out how to fix them. I mean, like, the avenue that I was thinking about with the play field was just getting a screen made, and then you could just rescreen it. And then, yeah, David David Yap has one as well, and he's done his own screening of playfield parts before, just in restorations. Exactly. So my thought was like he's easily going to do that to his. Yeah. So I mean that's a solution, but it's like yeah, it's it, there's something about having it in hand, even if it's not perfect. You know, like if it's if you, better, you, it's it's better than nothing, or it's better than a roach playfield. And and I you know oh, yeah. I'm I'm in a I'm in a good position with my meteor that I was not going to put it in my game because my playfield plays really really nice it's not perfect oh i recall yeah i recall yeah yeah yeah. tommy tommy had it living in his living room for a while um so i don't know what we were talking about oh quicksilver play fields yeah yeah yeah. i'm wrapping i'm wrapping quicksilver rails right now yeah man i'm like i got hit with quicksilver i think i've done like 11 sets so far because i yep and i've and i'm 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 on i'm on vacation hey man you're always on vacation don't lie Trying to trying to <laughs> buy a pinball machine. I know, man. You got to work. You got to get that JP money going. Um. um yeah. So. I, yeah. Go ahead. I was. I. I just didn't want to chime in. I know we said we we're gonna talk a lot about spooky. Uh. I did want to chime in with a. Uh, uh. Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle. Um. Michael and Danielle, my friends here in town. Uh. They have three wonderful daughters. Love hanging out with them. Wrestling's over. I'll get to see them more. But I went over there for dinner the other night. I made some jambalaya for Mardi Gras. It was delicious. Uh, anyway, they got they have an Alice Cooper, and I got to play a couple games on it. And I was largely inspired to want to play it um, because our, our our friend, who I think may occasionally listen to the show, I'm not sure, but regardless, he's just an awesome guy. Carl D'Angelo was streaming that. Um, attempting to get to and defeat Billion Dollar Babies, the wizard mode of the game, uh, on his channel, i.e. Pinball, on Twitch, and he uploads to YouTube as well. And watching a world-class player play the game and then seeing... Sorry about moving my microphone there. Seeing all of the really interesting rules that the team at Spooky came up with uh, really made me appreciate it more. And I wanted to try it out. And I have to say that I really enjoyed the game. And uh, it's very fun. It's very tough. That seems to be like Spooky's MO is they don't really make easy machines. Um, but, man, it was it's, it's done well. Uh, I enjoyed it. I like it. I encourage people to give that game another try if you come across one. But definitely check out Carl's stream so you kind of know what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near as complex as like, let's say Jurassic park, but just because of the limited access and coverage of the machine, people walk up to it unknowing. And there's so many shots on it. It can be a little bit intimidating or difficult to kind of just understand what it is you're doing, but I really enjoyed it. So I wanted to give that thing, uh, some credit as well while we were still roughly on spooky, which we transitioned to their good play fields into bad play fields and then came full circle to another game. Uh, well done. Also, well done, Tommy. Before, before we started recording, yes, you made a post to our Facebook page. I regret that. Um, and so it turns out, if we do that during the day, yeah, apparently everyone who should be at jobs is trying to 
uh, avoid working and instead will comment on what we should talk about. And I, I've been sitting here replying while we've been talking as best I can, but people brought up a ton of stuff that I had totally forgotten. Um, all right. But, do you want to do that now or do you want to do? Yeah. Do, okay. You oh, want to do that now? You, what else were we going to do? Uh, um, Oh, so my question, because I actually asked you online, I asked, I, I texted you and I've chatted with a couple of people about it. So I, I mentioned that I'm, I'm interested in a Jurassic Park, right? And so the, Correct. the question that I had for you and a couple other people was, would you, with that game, do a premium or a pro? And the way that I, the, the way that I phrased the question was basically, you know, the value you get out of the gameplay with like what what is the value you get out of the pro versus the premium? And do you add like I'm thinking about like just dollar amount that you would have in the game? Cause like with a I would want like a shaker motor. Um, you know, I think the art blades on the inside of the game actually look pretty cool on that game because it creates like a an atmosphere. Now I don't know if they're it available. Does. I don't know if you can get the actual stern blades, but I know that there's aftermarket mod, you know, blades that people have made. Um, but you know, for the way that I'm coming at it as well is like on the premium. Like I don't really care. I mean, the dino head grabbing the ball is super cool, and I can see like my kids really liking that. Um, from a player standpoint, I don't really care so much because I kind of want the ball in play. But at the same time, I like the Raptor lock on the premium more than the pro mech because of that little turnaround up top where at the computer shot is just not my favorite because the at least on the location here, the ball gets stuck there all the time. Um, yeah, so that I, I, I asked you and a couple other people. And so, yeah, what do you think? I mean... I think the premium, uh, I listened to your interview you did with Johnny Crap. Johnny Crap, uh, which, which was, was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was great. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, Very, thanks to him for coming on. Uh, but I agree with what you guys said. I think the premium is the prettiest package of the bunch from an artwork standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and exactly what I, I told you when we chatted it up online about it is I don't think the premium price is justified in the gameplay of Jurassic Park. I think that Keith has done an excellent job of packing the pro uh, and keeping gameplay similar enough between the two that there's not really a big difference uh, in the gameplay, albeit the dinosaur head is super cool, and I also like the way the raptor lock works on there. So I get it. Uh, But I, I don't think to get the enjoyment out of the game, it's necessary. Whereas I really enjoyed Deadpool, but I totally see the value and the premium on that game because I think the drop targets on the lower part of the play field um, add a lot to the game. I, I, I'm a huge fan of drop targets over stand-up targets. And I think the fact that the left orbit shot doesn't feed the pop bumpers on the premium version yeah. of that game yeah. whereas on the pro it does is big because if you have a really good ball on that game your bonus can get pretty big so if you're aware of that and you're playing the pro now suddenly you can start going left orbit all day and just building up your bonus multiplier and you'll also activate disco modes while you're doing that 
Um, and I just, I think that has the potential to be exploited by high level players. Whereas on the premium, it's not going to go in there and feed that. It's going to feed your right flipper and make you shoot other things. Yeah. So to me, that's a game where I, I, Again, I don't like the price difference, but I understand why somebody could argue that the premium plays different enough uh, that it makes a, a bigger difference to the gameplay. The Jurassic Park, those mechs are cool, and they do alter the game a little bit, but I don't think they drastically change how the game plays. Do you think that? Do you think premiums hold their value better? Like if I if I no. bought a pro, so if I buy a pro and I put a shaker in it, I put some art blades. You can get a shaker for eighty bucks from Pinball Life, right? Yeah, yeah. So I put a shaker in my pro. I enjoy it. And what's a, the price difference between a premium and a pro? Is like twelve hundred? Is that right? Mm, no more. I don't know. Maybe you're getting good deals on premiums. No, I mean, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like, thought it was more like fifteen to eighteen. Okay, difference from between a pro and a premium. Yeah, probably is. Yeah, I mean, I can look up what Stern's site says for like the recommended, but yeah, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was thinking it was less than that because I'm, I'm adding, you know, it's got to be more than that with those, with those mechs and Stern's pricing. I mean, yeah, I thought it was almost like a two thousand dollar difference between the models. Shit, I mean, because I'm thinking like if you took two thousand dollars and put it into a Pro, you would have Invisiglass, or you would have PDI, right? PDI is like four hundred bucks a sheet if you don't get a discount. 350 or something. Yeah, but who buys that? Why are you buying that? I'm just saying like what you could put into... I had a conversation with somebody at uh, Penberg that had purchased a... And now Jurassic Park came out, was basically like released at Penberg, right? Yeah. They had purchased a, an LE. And one of the reasons they purchased the LE because they said, hey, look, it's a better it's a better deal. I could get a premium, but if I want the stuff that an LE has, like the you know Invisiglass and stuff like that, it makes sense just to get an LE, and then you don't even have to add it. Um, so that's what, that, so I'm just saying, like, to make up that price difference on a pro, like, if I'm like, hey, I, I want to put... $1,600 price difference. $1,600 price difference. So 70, so 80 bucks for a shaker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, $300 for... PDI three fifty, so you're at you're at four fifty, um, and then if you want to do art blades, you're looking at like eighty bucks. I mean, I'm trying to think like what other you want to you want to upgrade the speakers because the speaker. I mean, the speakers on my Iron Maiden are so so bad. Can I just say that? Really? I just did say mm-hmm. that. They're 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 so, so yeah. bad, and I don't know what it is. It's like they sound like they'll kick in where they'll they'll start sounding really gravelly. And it's not like I play that game like crazy loud, so it's not like I blew anything out. But if somebody knows what's up with that, I need to replace those. I replaced the speakers on Ghostbusters. Um, but you still have Ghostbusters? I forget. I do have Ghostbusters. Okay. I d- yeah, I couldn't remember. I, I do have Ghostbusters. I um, I do have Ghostbusters, and I have a new cabinet. I need to put the game in. But oh yeah, that's right. I'm gonna have like I'm gonna be a stern. I'm gonna have a stern row. If I got Jurassic Park, I'd have five Sterns, two classics. Damn, though. dude. Oh, uh, well, that's okay. That, yeah. Um. All right. I know both of them are backordered. Pro, or I think both of them are backordered. I know premiums are backordered. So, I have some time to make some rails. Yeah, can raise some more funds. But I mean, look, if my game earned. Like if it was one of those really busy locations where this thing was making like hundreds of bucks a week, I would totally upgrade to the premium. But mine doesn't. 
So I'm happy with the pro. I really enjoy it. Um, if a great deal popped up on a premium, maybe I could jump at it. Uh, but it hasn't. And if I, I, I wouldn't mind getting a Deadpool premium, quite honestly. Like I, I really enjoy that game nowadays. So uh, good job, Stern, uh, on that one. Um, giving them credit where if you like Stranger Things, again, I'm not enjoying it right now. But I didn't enjoy Deadpool when it came out, and that code got so much better. And then I really appreciate that game now. So it's totally possible I'll come around on Stranger Things too. And I apologize for my voice. I don't know if I'm getting sick or something, but I bit my tongue really hard at wrestling practice the other day too. So I've got like a swollen tongue, and my voice sounds like it's weird in my head right now. It sounds normal. Okay, that's I mean, good. It doesn't sound good great. Stuff. I'm not saying it sounds great. I'm not saying. Well, no, I never sound great. I'm not. I'm not built for radio or TV. I'm not really saying we're going to be joining a network anytime soon, but. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, well, so I have I have uh, just one thing, and then we'll go into. Uh, well, I, I guess we'll answer people's questions or whatever. But yeah, we are sponsoring the women's tournament again at Texas Pinball Festival. Awesome. I'm happy to say that we are. Um, so Reese Rails is an official sponsor of this flipping podcast is an official sponsor and we are going to recovering the fees paid to the Texas pinball festival for the tournament trophies. And then we're going to, um, we're, um, we're doing something. We're getting, um, hundred dollar, hundred dollar credit at soft plunge pinball that the, uh, the organizers of the women's tournament are going to figure out how they want to split that up. So I don't, you know, if they want to split it up, how, whatever they want to do. So we are doing that again this year. So I'm happy to share that. And Raleigh and Elizabeth, I've chatted with them a bunch and they're both great. And I'm, I'm happy that we can do that for them. So all the money, all the money that people pay for entry fees will come back to them as prize money. My, underst- cool. my understanding, none of the fees will have to get paid to TPF. We're, we're covering that. Boom. Well, that's on uh, Taylor uh, organizing that. So thank you, man. Uh, and that you get the credit. Well done. Thanks for throwing our, our podcast name out there. But great job doing that, man. Oh, yeah. I'm, um, I'm happy to do it. So there you go. Nice. Got bu- well, to build that karma because I'm definitely um, – <laughs> I definitely need the karma. <laughs> I need the pinball karma, well, man. On, on the note of the women's tournament and tying it into another transition to our Facebook page post, where thank you, everyone who's writing stuff here for us to talk about. Um, and I apologize if I mess up your name. I'm so bad with names. But I believe Gillian Holly from, I think, Ohio here, uh, they are hosting the first ever women's 24 hour tournament this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. So wanted to give that event a shout out. Uh, she posted that on there and I figured that's a good transition from the Texas women's. Uh, I did add myself to the wait list for the Texas pinball festival tournament. I'm like way down on the list. I think I'll do what I've done the last few years and just like maybe play a few games and classics and enjoy the show mostly. But, uh, to the women doing the 24 hours tournament this weekend, good luck. Uh, where, where I, is that going to be held at? I am not hundred percent sure, okay. but I, I believe she helps out at a helps out or it's part owner. I don't know the full story with a location there. I'm trying to find it on our Facebook. Page. I think, I think she was on the, the back box pinball podcast. If I'm not mistaken, I think I remember might be arcade it. super awesome potentially. Maybe. Yeah. But I, I feel like I remember that name from, um, uh, back box pinball podcast, but I am not a hundred percent. 
which is a great podcast, and you should listen to it if you get a chance. I should. If people have I'm not to find an advertising for it. Here we go. Uh, the women's ready to play in the 24 hours registration is open. It's called the Bell's Bunkin, and I'm clicking the link to give more detailed. I'm assuming that it's sold out and a wait list with it being this weekend. Um, it is loading. Location: Crazy Martins, Crazy. In Pequot, Ohio. You can Crazy uh, Martins, Pequot, Ohio. There you go. So that's going on this weekend. Good luck to you women partaking in that. Um, and then I had somebody else, Mr. Eric Wurtenberger, uh, ask for an update on the pinball marathon, the 26-hour event, uh, as I was waiting for wrestling season to wrap up so I could turn my focus to that. Uh, the update will be that Mr. Eric Wurtenberger has agreed to stream the event. Oh, so we nice. will have That's coverage awesome. coming to you for 26 hours from North End Pub here in Lafayette, Indiana. Chuck Wurt. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Chuck Wurt, yeah, he streams with Straight Down the Middle, I believe. That's yeah, DTM, yeah. Well, is that, On it, Twitch. Does, do they still do that now that they're TPN? I think he's, yeah, I don't fully understand the whole network thing, but he still streams, I know, because I follow his thread on Pinside where he posts that he'll be streaming. Uh, but we did it. We did a test for internet speed at the bar. Yeah. And he said, we are good to go. Awesome. Um, we plan to have <clears throat> 25 machines for the tournament. 15 of the machines will be located in the bar area. So those will be the ones that we can provide streaming coverage from. The other 10 will be located out in the bowling alley. And we are going to add an amendment to the tournament description that for the last hour of the event, the top group will be limited to the 15 bar uh, bar games so that we can provide streaming coverage of the top groups as the tournament is winding down. Um, on that note, uh, I will also update that we have 51 tickets sold, meaning that we have, I believe, 12 remaining because I had 63 for sale. So we still have 12 spots open for the pinball marathon. Uh, May 30th and 31st, $75 entry fee. All money goes back out to prizes uh, and cash payments and, and medals, etc. cetera. Uh, we're not making anything on it from the bar outside of whatever you guys eat and drink there for that 24 hours. So do that. Um, and we always have 20 machines down at the bar, and I will be bringing in a few others for the event Specifically, I will be bringing in Harlem Globetrotters. I will be bringing in Strange World, a one-player EM by Gottlieb, a Wedgehead. I will be bringing in Mad World, a two-player EM by Bally. I will be bringing in my newest game that we didn't talk about yet that is currently sitting on a dock in London waiting to board a plane tomorrow called Nautilus. It is a Zakaria or a Zachariah. I never know what they are. Uh, EM one player machine called Nautilus. Very excited to forget that game. That is a beautiful uh, that, looking pinball machine. Yeah, it's, just so well that. that that will be their pending. It survives its flight. It is boarding the plane uh, tomorrow from London to Atlanta. Put an end, and then it will come from London, England. Yes, and then it will come from Atlanta to Indianapolis, Indiana next week on the third, where it will arrive and hopefully clear customs. So that when I drive down to the airport on the 5th to fly to Denver, I can actually pick it up while I'm dropping my car off and leave it in the car while I'm in Denver for the weekend. But anyway, uh, those, what is that? That's three EMs, uh, Globetrotters, that makes for four. 
And I think our fifth game will be Dragon Fist. Um, and Dragon Fist will allow me to segue to something else. But that will put us at 25 games at least. Uh, if we need to bring in a few more, we will. But, uh, you know, mathematically, we don't. Just hoping everything holds up, which it should. Of course, I just jinxed myself by saying that. I was going to say. But those will be some of up. the other games there. So you got Mad World, Strange World, Nautilus, Harlem Globetrotters, and Dragon Fist. Uh, that will be added to the tournament lineup. For those of you interested in the pinball marathon, those are some ones you don't get to see all that often. Uh, at least not some of them in really good shape, like my Harlem. I guess that's pretty common, but mine's really nice, so take that. Um, <clears throat> Eric also asked about the Soren ROMs. Yeah. Soren was just uh, interviewed on an episode of the Pinball Profile, Jeff Teolis. Uh, Soren is the one I think we mentioned last episode with my demo man. He redoes the cold on some older games to make them more tournament worthy. And it just happened to be coincidence that we mentioned that. And then they released an episode because I guess that was recorded in October. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a while back. And I lost Tommy. Hold on. I can't I can't hear you. I can see you but I can't hear you. Did you unplug your did you unplug your headphones? Can you hear me now? Yep, I can hear you now. Awesome. All right, I'm back. Sorry. Okay, that wasn't too bad. I don't know what happened there, guys. My mic got muted somehow and I didn't move. Um anyway, uh Soren pulled all of his ROMs from online. Uh Michael and Danielle just got a road show and I played that the other night as well. And I thought that Soren had done a ROM for that. So when I went to look it up yesterday, uh, I found that he did, but I couldn't find it online. So then I posted the tilt forums, and Soren himself replied that he is just taking a break. Um, what I is, don't know what that means. Yeah, what does that mean? Don't know. Don't know what it means. Um, but, I mean, he, he replied to my post within a few hours, so he's still around pinball. Yeah. But he's taking a break. Uh, in my mind, I thought maybe after that interview, it drew attention to what he's done and Planetary gave him some crap or something. But none of that was released publicly. That was totally me yeah. just theorizing. Um, but anyway, if you needed one of Soren's ROMs, they have become a little bit harder to find. But fortunately, we have, again, really smart people in this hobby. And a lot of people just downloaded them whenever he released them. So if you need them, you know, make a post about it and anonymous angels may reach out to you who have files to send your way. Uh, that's all I'll say on that matter. And hopefully he'll come back because, again, his ROMs really improved the games and it's really nice. Um, yeah, I, that was, I saw that was Soren. That was replying to Eric's comment on that. I, uh, yeah, I saw that as well. And. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's up with that. It's too bad. His ROM, I have his ROMs in my roller games, and it um, definitely makes the game much more playable in a tournament setting. I don't know how you, it makes it playable in a tournament setting. Yeah, that's literally how I feel with Demolition Man. And uh, I, I somebody asked me about it yesterday or posted in that thread too, and I, I literally said, you know, Demo Man went from a game that I like to occasionally play when I saw it on location or somewhere because uh, it's, it's fun. 
but it was something I never really wanted to own because I, I knew it would just be not fun in tournaments. Yeah. And now it's a game like I'm really glad that I own specifically because of Soren's ROM. Yeah. It made that game ownable to me. Um, I also put up my new high score on that game like a week ago. Uh, nine and a half billion. Played demo time twice. It was awesome. Nice. So, well, yeah, yeah so I he's, recommend that game. He's taking a break, so hopefully he'll be back. Yeah, and I, I think he will be. So uh, that's always nice. Um, what else do we have in here? Oh, yesterday, Jersey Jack Pinball announced that they are moving their manufacturing to Illinois. That's right. Um, so basically, their design team was all based out of that area already with uh, Keith Johnson being their coder, who I know is a Chicago guy. Pat Lawler, Chicago guy. Eric uh, Manier, I believe, is a southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois guy, somewhere in that area. Um, and basically, it's going to move all their facilities uh, closer together and lead to better communication, I would imagine, closer to their parts. Uh, in my mind, the bad part is how will this impact manufacturing as they now have to hire people to build games there who need to be trained and what facilities, et cetera. I, you know, a lot of questions. But I think overall, a positive move that will probably save the company money. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, if you're moving closer to your supply chain, that 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 totally makes sense. I mean, and I assume most of the people are out there because Stern has been there. Um, and not even just Stern. I mean, the history of pinball is it's a Chicago-based business in America. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, I don't... I mean, I'm just thinking it's going to cost a lot of money to pack up and move, right? So that, what, that was to, what my thought was. Yeah, but I guess realistically, I mean, I don't know what you have to pack up if all your parts are probably coming from that area anyway already. Yeah, whatever uh, your next game is at the line, it's like, hey, keep that shit there. We're coming. Yeah, but just think about all the tweaks that they've. I mean, because Jersey Jack has been open now since twelve twenty eleven. Really? I think, well, my, my, I got my Wizard of Oz in 2013, summer 2013. Yeah, so that's right. That, and, in my mind, was that was like a 2013 game, but I guess you're right. They did announce it a couple years before that. A couple, so. a couple years. I mean, they might have yeah. been 2010. So you have, you have a, you know, you have a production facility of a factory. I don't know if it would be a factory, but you have a factory, pinball factory that you've tweaked over time. Maybe it's easy to just pack that up and move it halfway across the country, but it doesn't seem, I mean, I'm just thinking about there's gotta be a, a, a pretty solid financial reason to pack up and move because of delays in production, because of the time it's going to take to move. It seems like you would have a break in, um, production. So, I mean, I think about like when CGC stopped working with, um, Stern, Stern. you know, there was, yeah. a, there was a time where it was like, it took time for them to gear back up in their own facility. So yeah, I think a couple things that a takeaway is that maybe, you know, I think that there's always been rumors that Jersey Jack was struggling and I guess it could go either way. Cause it's like they are struggling. So they really need to figure out how to, how to make, be a more efficient company, which would mean getting closer to your supply line or they're doing actually financially pretty stable that they can say, Hey, we're going to shut down the production line so we can move. I don't know. It, I think it, yeah. I think it's a good, I mean, I think it's a good long-term thing. I mean, it make, it makes sense to me. Um, as long as it's not being done because it's like a hail Mary, like, Hey, we've got to figure out how to cut every cost. And one of the costs is having to ship parts from 
the Chicago area to us in Jersey. I don't know. I don't either. We'll see. I think time will tell. But my guess is, although it was announced yesterday, uh, I have a feeling that this wasn't any sort of a rush decision. That's probably had <clears throat> been going on for months. Um, and with them mm-hmm. expected to be showing a new game, most likely Guns N' Roses, designed by Eric Menier in the very near future. Um, I would assume that they'd want to be set up to send that into production very quickly, just like they did with Wonka. Yeah. I think Wonka was available within a month or two of them showing it, which was a huge improvement for them over previous games. Um, so I imagine that this has been planning has been going on for a while and, uh, hopefully we'll get more details in the coming weeks, uh, as that game is unveiled. I'm hoping it makes an appearance at Texas pinball festival. Cause I'm excited to see what he's done with his second design as Keith and, uh, Scott, and Eric have sort of been like the new blood in pinball over the last couple of years. And so far, I'd say Keith and Scott did really good with their second designs. I got a feeling Eric is going to as well. Looking forward to seeing that. All right. So um, I, have, I have another question. I have one from uh, from our Facebook is uh, uh, Stephen. Um, oh, man, it's got to be. I think it's Stephen, but it might be Stefan. Steve Haberman. Oh, man. Sorry about that. Yeah, I know. So names are hard. I mean, I think it's Stefan. Is Stefan a name? It is, but so is Steven. Right. Okay. Well, Steven, Stefan, Haberman. I've I've met him. Great guy. Um, he asked, what is the worst refurb or repair mistakes you've made? What's what's yours? I know mine. Um so uh, I I've I've yeah. got two and they both involve Frontier. So uh let's see. The first one was while I was working on the playfield. Uh, this past summer, I think I talked about it before. I had it on the rotisserie, and I had removed the clamps oh, to yeah. show, oh, oh, no. sh- yeah, show my dad something, <laughs> uh, and I forgot to put them back on. And then I went and did stuff for like the rest of the day. And when I went to work on it at night, I spun the rotisserie, and the playfield just fell off. Mm. Oh, and oh, I was man. very fortunate in that all I did was chip one plastic. Damn, was just, that was really dumb. That was pretty um, dumb, Tommy. Yeah, it was. And then I did the classic mistake of being like. I know how connectors go. I don't need to put in a key pin or to label these connectors. And when I finally went to power up um, Frontier uh, a few months ago, I had plugged in every connector to the rectifier board in the correct spot, but just upside down, so completely backwards. Oh, no. And it was blowing my circuit to my house as soon as I would plug it in. (laughs) So... Uh, when you're not real good with electricity, you're like, crap, I wired something in the cabinet wrong. Yeah. So I'm like rewiring the power switch and all sorts of stuff. But no, it just turned out these connectors that I was so positive. I knew exactly how they went. I had plugged in upside down. Um, and I called over Michael for his help in diagnosing my issue. And he spotted it like immediately. Mm. I was like, yeah, that's why I always put the key pins back in. And I was like, yeah, I'll do yeah, that. that's a good idea. So, yeah, that was, I'd say those have been my personal worst ones as of this time. Yes. How about you? Oh, man, I've, I've never had a fucking problem. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't even surprise me. You're just no, so No, good. no, 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 no. So on, um, on my Doctor Who, when I, I painted the cabinet and I, so I painted the cabinet with, oh, shit, I can't remember what kind of paint. But I, you know, I did, I mean, you know, it's, it's a cabinet with decals. So like the prep time is just so stupid. You might as well buy a new one. But, you know, I, I did all the prep, blah, 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 blah. And then when I, I painted it 
I, I gave it some time to set, to cure or whatever. And then I put the decals on and then I set the game up. So, you know, I, I can't remember. I think I set it up in my shop so I could like get it completely done before I moved it into the game room. And I had to lower the head for something. Maybe it was, I don't, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was to wire. So I don't know. I had to lower the head and the bottom of the head stuck to the top of the lower cabinet. Nice. And so when I pulled it apart, it actually pulled some of the plywood off. Ooh, ouch. So it looks great in my lineup. You know, I've got like a completely restored Doctor Who, but I just know that in the back of my mind that I have that complete fuck up under the head. So in retrospect, what I would do now, I would actually put some felt, like little felt tabs on the corners of the head just so that you actually like one, you would stop that from happening. I mean, I had given the, I had given the paint like a ton of time to cure, but I think I may have done it in the summer. So maybe it was still a little bit soft. Um, but yeah, I would put like, I would put like just something under the cardboard. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying like, if you put like little felt tabs, like you would put to protect like a table underneath the head on each corner, even when you, so when you fold the head up, it's not like that entire surface isn't coming into contact with the surface of the top of the lower cabinet. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. So you're, you're getting a little bit of that separation so that you don't have to worry about that paint sticking. Um, so that was, that was kind of a fuck up. I'm trying to think like on my, um, on my, uh, that's some, what's, what's some dumb shit on my stars. I had a problem I could not figure it out. I don't even know. I still can't remember what it was, but I ended up sending the light my, was wrong on the schematic or something. Well, no, that, that was, that was, that wasn't it. It was my, I think on my stars, like I was having problems. Maybe it was my meteor. I was having problems and I ended up sending the boards out and like the boards came back and they were all, they checked out that they were all okay. And it turned out because something was real, something really weird was going on. Like I was blowing a fuse or coils weren't working. And I like, went over the entire thing. And then it turned out it was a connector thing. And I had put a connector like I had, I think it was on the rectifier board where I had moved it over one. And I don't know how I didn't catch that, but in doing that, I wasn't sending enough power to the coils. So that it took me sending my boards off, paying to have my boards looked over, getting them back, putting it back in my game, still having the problem, and then recognizing that I was actually... No, you know what I did? I replaced the connectors that went to the rectifier board and one of the um, trifurcons in the in the actual connector was off. Oh, so, yeah. so when I rebuilt the connector, I missed, I, missed, I missed pinned one of them. And because of that, I was not getting enough power to my coil. So it took... It was just a fucking stupid just not paying attention late night shit in the, in the basement. Um, yeah, I did something similar with that, um, split second I had last year Yeah, where I redid the connector, but I, I didn't misplace my pins, which is what I thought I did. Um, but I actually just had a bad crimp on one of them, but it was uh. one that controlled the power going from something to the MPU. Yeah. So it wasn't getting power to get the game to boot. I'll do and it. Like, I could not figure it out for the life of me. 
stuff. Uh, but I kept like canaring, comparing pictures of my connectors before to what I had there, and it looked right. And eventually, I had to take it to Dan, and he was able to diagnose it better. Uh, and n- notice, I literally just had crimped one wire poorly, and that fixed it. <laughs> um, trying to think, anything else? I mean, there's just been shit along the way. <laughs> yeah, basically, like you're bound to fuck stuff up if you're on pinball machines, or, or like you forget, like you forget that. Um, I know that on Whitewater, <clears throat> on Whitewater, I like I did something on Whitewater where I like had it fully assembled, and I had forgotten to. Oh, you know what I did that was really stupid. That maybe it's not stupid, maybe it's just like a rookie thing. Is that on my Whitewater? And I did a full restore on Whitewater as well. So it was like complete cabinet teardown. Um, at that time, there were not play fields available. So I did have mine, uh, I did have mine like painted and um, I had it restored, clear coated. But so I, I regrained all my ball guides, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, I do, you know, do the whole thing where you like, you hit it with sandpaper and then you take it down to like a Scotch Bright pad and you like make sure you grain it really nicely and stuff like that. So I did that reinstalled everything into the game, put all the fucking, put everything in. So all the ramps, the ramps took me like a day to like dremel them down so that the transitions were super smooth and shit like that. And I got, I think I got it done and I was at at the point of play testing. And after like four games of play testing, like there was just black shit all over the rubbers and I had gone back with, I think I'd gone back with traditional white rubbers. It was like before like Titans and stuff were around. But, and I figured out that what I had done was that when you, when you grain the ball guides, and this is a tip I'll share if this is not just a well-known thing, but when you, re, when you grain your ball guides, like even when you wipe them down, like I wiped them down with Novus or whatever, or cleaned them, they still have like a grit on them. So what I do now that I wish I had done then was after I grain my ball guides, I'll wipe them down with whatever, but I'll take, um, I'll take isopropyl alcohol and then really I'll wipe the ball guides down until there's absolutely zero residue because you create, because you're grinding, you know, you're sanding that metal. It just creates like dirt and stuff in there that you just don't even see, even like wipe, wiping down with Novus. So that, that sucked because I dismantled it so I could get the ball guide that goes all the way around the orbit. That was kind of a fuck up, but lesson learned, but lesson learned and lesson shared. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. So those were some good fuck ups. Yours was, um, I think mine was probably, I think, what do you think? I think my cabinet one was the best. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, okay. It's, it's just awful. Indiana championship belt. Who holds it? Uh, current champion is Mr. Ryan Donahue, and this son of a bitch is just running all over the state, defending the belt left and right. Uh, so congrats to him. Nice. Uh, but he is just posting like a picture of him at some place, being like, "Come get some, come get it." So he's he's being like a heel about it. Nice. Uh, in in pro wrestling terms, but then when like there's official tournaments, the coward doesn't show up with his belt. You know? Oh That's snap! Interesting, yeah. Interesting how that works out, Ryan. If you're listening, which I hope you're not, he's not listening. And if you are, then all the trash talk that I've done stays in place. Uh, but yeah, he's having a lot of fun with it. It's still going well. Uh, we had our second annual tournament back in December for it. 
Uh, that was won by Luke uh, Sheehan from uh, Illinois. So we've now had champions from Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, and Indiana uh, all have the belt at some point or another. And, uh, again, Ryan is currently the champion. And uh, people are still having fun with it, which is what its intent was. Uh, it's been pretty – I think it's I think it's been a success. I've enjoyed it. And it does seem that when people post, you know, that they are the champion, they're, they're bringing it to a certain tournament for a defense – um, that it does slightly increase the turnout. Uh, that tells me that some people do care about it, which is kind of nice. Nice. Um, uh, Adam Jordan made the comment. He said, uh, "Using Google or f- or fitness, using Google or fitness." I think that's a typo. What does yeah, that I mean? What, I don't know. I think it, I just think using Google. Use, guess, okay, using Facebook probably Google or oh, Facebook to using, diagnose issues. Yeah, using Google or Facebook to diagnose issues in games instead of asking Facebook groups and pinside the same questions over and over. Um, Adam is a cranky old man. He is. I get to see him next week. Hey, Adam, see you in a week, buddy. I think that, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I still post to Facebook groups every once in a while because I think that it's helpful to, like, have a hive mind and that... I think a lot of times by posting to groups that are really active that people might actually point you like you might have you have an issue, but it, you don't necessarily know what caused it. And so if you can reach out and have somebody else that had that issue, you can kind of work through, especially if there's like a, a multiple reasons why it could be happening. I don't, I don't know. I um, totally get what you're saying, uh, but personally, I am always uh, too embarrassed to post those groups because I assume any issue I'm having is something simple that I just can't figure out. Yeah, and I instead Google it um, and try to find it. And usually, between Pinside and the old RGP threads, oh, um, I can figure things out. And if not, then I call on local friends. Yeah, and then if I get super desperate, then I go online. I think our RGP was really, really searchable. And that's the one thing about Pinside, because there's a lot of tech stuff on Pinside. It's just not, it's like the way the search algorithm works sucks. What I've learned to do is instead of searching on Pinside is search on Google, like whatever my issue is. And at the very end, just add the word Pinside to it. Oh, nice. Okay. That actually helps quite a bit. Pro tip. Pro tip. Pro tip. Okay. So that, Dan, answers that. Um, Let's see. um, Indian. Yopsin, oh, wait, I got Neil Wagner. Hoarding. My game room is full with seven of my favorite pins. Should I start bringing them upstairs or start selling to make room for something different? Um, I personally, I have 11 games. I know you have a shit ton, Tommy, but I have 11 games, and I'm at a point now where I'm out of space. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm out of space. I have I, My game room is set up to where 11 pins fits comfortably, I would say. Um, and I don't know. I think it's, a, I think it's a matter of like, how many games can you play at the same time? One, how many games, what kind of variety do you want to have in your lineup? I mean, I do like a variety. Like I have, you know, a couple solid States, um, system 11, you know, mostly moderns, but I mean, I do like that. I mean, I think a seven pin collection is a pretty good size. You know, I think that you can have 28 people over and everybody is playing, you know, a, a four player game on a, on a game. 
that's, that's pretty decent. And if you can keep up with that amount of pins, always have everything working, then I don't know. I mean, unless you're like, I just don't want to lose any of the games I have because they're in such great shape or something like that. I, I get that. But I mean, in my house, it's, it's nice to have a game room where you kind of go and you, it's like, it's its own separate thing. Like you go into the game room and it's like, you're there to play pinball. So that's, that's the way I like it. I'm, I'm looking at picking up a Jurassic Park and I'll, I'll be moving a game out. So that's my answer. Tommy, what do you think? I said build an extension under your house. Thanks, man. Tommy, for that. That's yeah. really helpful. Uh, or start routing some games at a local establishment. Yeah. It, it shares your collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's forced me to become a, a better pinball owner because I have to fix things more often, but I've learned a lot from it. Uh, I've in, increased the amount of pinball activity in the area. I've got new friends that now enjoy the games that I have more. Um, and I totally get it. Uh, I am, I'm, right around 30 ish games and I don't want to have more than that. Yep. I do want more than that to be honest, but I think that's a, um, a very large collection without being an insane person. Mm. Um, considering my limited space, if you've got a giant house or basement that can fit a hundred games, like absolutely. I get why you would have a hundred games. Um, I can't fit those games in my house, but between my house and my location, that's 0.2 miles from my house. Um, I can fit what I have. And, you have uh, how you wait, you have how many? You have 30? Yeah. That's fucking crazy. How many are working? Um, like a hundred percent. Like set up playing. 26, 27. 27. You got three folded? Or three like uh, in process or yeah, I've got Frontiers folded. Right. Antara still waiting on a play field. James Bond's been broken for like three years. <laughs> okay. That's, that's crazy. So my friend, my friend, Dan, who, um, he operates out of center of the universe brewery and they're having a pinball tournament coming up the East coast classics championship. Uh, it's March, the weekend of March 21st. I think I plugged it already. I'll plug it again. But I think Dan is, I think he's there, you know, like he operates a couple games. He has a, you know, he has games at home, but I think it is like, you know, he, he wanted to have more games. And so operating was the avenue that he took where he can, I, I really do believe that he is putting them out there because he wants to, you know, it's, it's a little side money, but it's mostly about like, he's building the hobby and he loves the hobby. You know, it's that, that the idea of operating, I, I don't like it. Like, it's just not, I don't see myself having the time to like upkeep games like I would want. Like, I think you're in a really good situation because of how close you are, the proximity to your location. Um, you know, Dan, Dan's location is, is like a pretty good hump for him. And I think that that would be tough for me. You know? Yeah. Like, like if this wasn't that close to my house, there's no way I would do yeah. it. But, um, but yeah, you know what? Um, Dan asked a question about um, the best approach to introducing pinball pinball noobs into the hobby and trick them, trick them into loving the same thing as me. So that, that's Dan's question. I think uh, your comment was, uh, offer prizes. Um, yeah, like I've heard multiple people say, like, if you have some sort of an event, like, even if it seems like a stupid little prize, yeah, like people winning something. Yeah. Like it clicks something in their brain that they can win stuff by playing this. Now, how um, how would you set that? How would you set that up on a location? Like, would you just have? Oh, 
So for example, well, you did, didn't you do something where like, if you came and you posted a certain score on Jurassic Park, you won something? Yep. Okay. We're still so doing that, like literally stickers. Okay. Like I went on Amazon. I did the same thing for Stranger Things. And in fact, I should probably run a quest for that again. Um, but I bought like 150 Stranger Things stickers for $7. Okay. Um, so I'm not a mathematician, but that's like what? Not even five cents a sticker or something. Yeah, that's not a lot. Uh, yeah. And uh, so basically you play the game, take a picture of your score. Bartenders have the stickers. You go show them. You get your sticker. There you go. That's pretty simple. Um, but honestly, the biggest thing is, um, I mean, I think part of the reason you and I do this podcast is because we are both pinball enthusiasts. Like we are generally enthused by pinball in all sorts of ways, like playing it, restoring them, owning them, collecting them, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and again, I have a huge advantage with my location being close, but like when I do have some free time, like it's not wrestling season and I'm not exhausted. I try to hang out at the bar and play pinball and show people like I'm having fun and show them like some of the things you can do on the games. Uh, when we were having our tournament Sunday, we were on a, four of us were on a game of World Cup soccer, and a, a younger kid, probably like close to ten, I would say maybe, came right up to Monopoly next to us, and he put a quarter in, and it's fifty cents, and it didn't do anything. So I literally was like, "Hey, man, that one actually cost fifty cents. Like, here's a quarter out of my pocket." Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, thanks," you know, and he puts it in. He goes, "Oh, well, what am I supposed to do?" So like, I started showing him some stuff, and then my turn came up on the game, and another one of the players from the group was like, "Hey, man, you know, try this," and showed him like what he should shoot after that. Um, and then one of the other guys was like, hey, I won two free games on the, the NASCAR machine over there. Why don't you go play them? You know, so like when you show enthusiasm, and granted, that was a kid. And when I'm hanging out in the bar, it's not kids, it's adults. But the same thing kind of applies. Like when you show them what the machines are capable of, yeah. where the skill set is involved, like it, it draws them in because not necessarily that they're immediately enthused by it, but like when you share your passion for whatever it is you have with others, like I think as humans, we enjoy seeing what I consider genuine passion for anything. Now, I don't care about board games. It's just never been my thing. But I have a couple friends that are really into them. And when they start telling me about their game they're playing and the rules of it, like they're seeing that emotion from them draws me into yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, why we watch sporting events is because a lot of those players or athletes, whatever it is, genuinely love and have passion for what they're doing. I, I think that I think one of the things that that's nice that you have is like you do seem to have like a pretty consistent crowd that goes into your your location, right? Because your location is off of it's it off of a bowling alley? No. Yeah, it's, it's a bowling alley and a bar like right. It's a, right. Other. So you have people who are going there with the idea that they're going to engage in some sort of competitive activity already. Right. Yeah, that helps for sure. Yeah, so that helps. And you also have like idle time. You have people waiting for food or just having beer. Like you have a really good location. Um, yeah, no, no, please don't take that for it's really busy and I make a ton of money. But yeah, yeah, it's a but, already has people there. But I think that's the thing. It's like if you have if you have a solid location where the people who are coming in are going to have the opportunity to experience to have a good pinball experience. I think that that's really important. And I think that, I think that Dan's, um, Dan's location, Center of the Universe Brewery, which is in Ashland, Virginia, I'll plug it again. 
I think that's a, I think he has a really solid location. I think, you know, for me, it sucks because it's, it's really far for me to get out there to go and support him. But then like we have another location, uh, bingo, which has, which is a, which is a great location. And like the operator is really responsive, but it's not a great location to have a good pinball experience because it's, and this is not to take away from kids because I love my kids, but I don't necessarily love other people's kids, like getting their grimy faces up in my pinball machine while I'm trying to play. Um, like it's very much like, it's kind of a, it's not a, um, what are those, what are those places called? The, um, arcade bar places. I, I don't, I've never been to one. You know what I'm talking about? Like where it's, um, oh shit. Oh, uh, uh, Dave and Buster's, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, I mean, I feel like you know, they have a bunch of like kind of Dave and Buster's type of games there, you know, where it's just not pinball and there's, I don't know. Like I've had experiences at bingo where, yeah, I have like kids coming up and they're like putting their hands on the glass and I'm like, yeah, you know, and their parents are next to me playing a game and I'm like, yeah, your kid is like up on my machine. Um, <laughs> so I think that's, I think, that's something as well. I do think I, you know, I, I think Dan has a good location. I just, I think it's like so far out and I don't know that people are going there to play pinball, but he has, you know, he has like regular tournaments and stuff. I think he's a stern army location. So I don't know. I, th- I think the prize is, I think the prize thing is a really good idea. You just have to, you just have to hope that the location is like totally like, yeah, we're totally into that. Yeah. It's worth checking out the pin quest app. Uh, to try that out. Now, what about now? What about your? Um, I guess the thing is, like, how do you get somebody to love pinball, right? How do you get somebody? I think to go to the core of the question. I think, from my experience, just because I'm speaking from the area that I live in, and Dan, you know, Dan's Dan's a friend of mine, and we're both local. And I think the thing about Richmond that's been really cool over the last. 15 years that I've been, or I've been in the hobby, like a little over 15 years or something. I don't know. But, um, like when we started our pinball league, like there's just not a lot of pinball activity as far as like people getting together and play. Like there were definitely some guys who had like, you know, there were definitely some collectors, but it wasn't, it wasn't a player's type of environment. And I think that by starting the pinball league, like it just, gave people an opportunity to have a regular opportunity to play. And I think, you know, now we have like the Richmond pinball collective, we have multiple leagues, we have multiple locations. And I think a lot of it is just like giving people an opportunity to play. So I, I think it's very much the field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. Yeah, absolutely. You so put pinball machines somewhere, they will get played and then people will start to enjoy it. So I guess, I guess you got to be maintained. Well, they've got to be maintained, right? So you've got, you want to give them a good pinball experience. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you want them to have a good pinball experience. And I think, you know, I think putting games out there, like, cause Dan has a, Dan has another game. I can't remember. I think it's like, um, he's got a, I think he's got like a solid state at a location, but I cannot remember the name. Oh, it's called hang space. So he has another game at a place called Hangspace. I think that's something is like if you can like have multiple locations and like if you could have multiple locations and somehow get those people together, I don't know. I don't know. Prizes. I don't know. I'll go with prizes, 
All right, Tommy, you got yeah, that. One. Try Pri- it. Prizes. Um, Mike Martin, they've got an NBA fast break. They He opened a – they have an arcade down in South Carolina. I think it's called Upstate Pinball. Uh, got to look. Um, but they have a uh, linked NBA fast break, and he was asking about if there was another location that had one, and you said there was. Yeah, I know at least uh, the Pinball in Indianapolis has linked NBA fast breaks. So that's one close to me that I'm aware of. I know I've always seen it at uh, Replay FX. They've had it there before. Um, I'm not sure about where else, but I, I, it has been seen. It is very cool. Very cool. Play, though. Yeah. Um, he's awesome a, that that out in public. Yeah, Mike is down at the Upstate Pinball and Arcade Museum in Simpsonville, South Carolina. And they, right. they opened recently, so, so uh, go check them out. Um, what else? What date? What was uh, David Yop yapping about? <laughs> uh, Stern Pinball Circuit event in Germany for next month has been canceled already due to coronavirus. Of the coronavirus, folks. So, uh, buy your mask, get your water. Um, yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, think about so coronavirus is obviously something that's happening in the world, and. Pinball is something where people travel, especially Pinburg, right? Pinburg is an event where people travel from all over the world to come to Pittsburgh to play in a pinball tournament. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the United States as to what's going to happen. And I will tell you that my personal opinion is that we are, we're going to be affected by it. It's happening. It is happening right now. I will tell you right now, like because of people I know and the businesses that they work for, um, some of which are like large Fortune 500 companies, like they are right now, they are proactively figuring out what to do. Like they are like, this is going to happen. It's going to affect our employees. We need to know what to do. So I'm not trying to be paranoid guy, but the reality is like the shit is spreading and they really don't know how it spreads. They don't know the incubation time. Like there was a case in California where they don't know where the person got it from. So that means it's in its community. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not in the CDC, um, but neither is a pandemic team because they got fired last year. So I think, I don't know, man. Like, I'm thinking about Texas, right? I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm like, do I want to go to Texas? Do I want to go, do I want to go and get on a plane right now and travel on a plane with a bunch of strangers? Like, I want to be at home and I don't know. I want a Jurassic Park pinball machine so I can play it when my kids are out of school for a month. It's I, nuts, I dude. The complete opposite end of you. I am not worried about it at all. At all? I think we're going to be completely fine. And if half the planet got wiped out, I'd be uh, totally cool with that, too. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm very pro end of the world. Tommy, uh, Tommy, 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 Tommy. No, like for real, like we've ruined everything. Like human. Uh, what's the, the bad guy from Avengers? The purple guy snaps his fingers. Oh, yeah. Thor forgot his name. Right. Uh, but right. I'm on his team. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. OK, so I call dibs on your Nautilus. That's cool. Um, I don't want Stranger Things. I'll take your Jurassic Park Pro. There you go. And um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I so okay. Regardless, if you think it's going to affect your 
local area, it is going to affect it's going to affect people because there's going to be a paranoia. There's already, it's already affecting people. Like people like, are, I just remember this happening when I was a senior in high school with SARS. And I remember like the swine flu, like I got this the, happens every couple of years with stuff. I got the swine and, like, flu. I had, yeah, you're still here talking to me right now. A- am I? Yeah, I am. I pretty sure. Um, as I was saying, like it happens all the time, you know, like, yeah, we're going to be fine. That's like, like every individual on the planet is going to be fine. Like some of y'all are going to die from this thing for sure, but like we're going to be fine. Okay. Um, that's that's where I'm at on it. Uh, Jeremy Newbold asked, uh, actually he didn't ask. He just typed Louisville Arcade Expo, but then he went on to say nice things about us. Uh, Louisville Arcade Expo is coming up, but I think it's always the week after the Texas Pinball Festival. Oh. And I never attend because I've just gone to the... Uh, Texas Pinball Festival. I'm pulling up their website though to confirm some dates uh, as that show is very close to me and I do believe they will have some pinball tournaments this year. Uh, Although their website seems to load very slow. What is going on? There we go. Oh no, it's actually uh, March 6th through 8th, uh, which is next week and I will be in Denver for the Pin Masters. Oh, that's right. Now are you yes. playing are you playing yeah you're just you're just doing pin masters I'm doing pin masters and there's like a some sort of strikes tournament on Sunday that I'm playing in um very cool of the Denver pinball community which is a large one basically put on I think starting next Wednesday through Sunday is there's tournaments like every day at different locations so for those people that were coming out for nationals and for pin masters or one or the other or whatever uh, you can make your travel time more whopper valuable and worthwhile if you wanted while you're there. Uh, very nice. Let's see. Um, I think that's it on questions or statements that people made. So uh-huh. I'm not going to respond to any more. Do you see any more? Oh, uh, heavy metal was brought up. Oh, heavy metal uh, was brought up. Touched on earlier. Yeah. Do we think it was codenamed TMNT? Or do we think that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming? I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is coming. My guess is just like last year, it'll be unveiled uh, shortly after Texas Pinball Festival and then most likely appear a week or two later at the Midwest Gaming Classic. I think that happened last year with Black Knight and the year before with Iron Maiden, if I remember correctly. Um, that seems to be Stern's sort of pattern. But with Stern, there's no guarantees. I do think it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think the game is going to have really unique geometry and be packed with features and mechs. That's all I know. Have you seen it? Or that's have all you se- I suspect. Ha- have you seen it? I have not seen okay. it. Okay, all right. But you've I have been, not. Have you been told something? I haven't been told something with any sort of confirmation. Okay. Uh, but that's like this is stuff I've heard floating around. Okay. So, but it's not total speculation. It, it's not total speculation. Okay. So I think it's coming. I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be based on the uh, original comics, uh, much more of like a Deadpool type thing where it's not the movies necessarily. Uh, I'm excited to see it. As a child, I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan. Um, Curious about who's doing code uh, myself. But yeah, I'm just curious to see it. I hope Zombie Eddie's on the arts. I think he could really like do some justice to those old comic books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
we'll see. But yeah, I think Heavy Metal is a cool side project that Stern did. They're essentially building them to order, which I think is the first time Stern has done that, to my knowledge, um, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, which it seems so that'll be a nice little side project and a new way for Stern to approach the business. But yeah, Ninja Turtles, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, there's rumors of the Led Zeppelin coming out with a Quicksilver playfield layout similar to the Beatles Ooh. and Sea Witch. Um, I shared something about that on our page like six months ago and like only one person caught it. Uh, it was pretty funny. Good job, Yancey. He spotted what I had altered on the play field. But uh, I don't know if that's going to be another Kapow title, what the cost on that will be, if it's even real. I'm trying to think what other rumors there are for Stern right now. Those are the big ones. I know Ninja Turtles, Quicksilver, the heavy metal thing, which isn't really a rumor. It was announced. If you could, if you could get, if you could buy, if you could buy one game right now that's currently being manufactured, mm-hmm. what game would you choose for? I'm going to, so what game would you choose for rules and what game would you choose for gameplay? Um, right now, so like as it sits, like as it as, sits, like even if I like if I already own it, because I would totally get a Jurassic Park. Just yeah, it, it, it the rules on Jurassic Park are awesome. Okay, like they just are. It makes you shoot everything. Yeah, everything you shoot counts for something. Um, he does a great job of putting in. I don't know what you want to call them, like milestones or smaller objectives so you feel like you're achieving like you have the simple task of get to a pa- open a paddock and capture the dinosaur every time you do that the light show the animation the sound it makes you feel like you've achieved something right um doing a t-rex room mode or a computer room mode to completion and collecting a fossil yeah makes you feel accomplished yeah um, and in doing so, again, you're boosting everything else. Like it's just the way Keith's brain works with his game design is awesome. It's like he's played um, before. It's yeah. It's almost like he's played before. Uh, but that would honestly have to be my choice for both just the layout and the, the rules. Oh, really? So overall, overall. It. Okay. Yeah. It, it's awesome. Like I said, I really enjoy Deadpool. Um, but it is a little bit, it's on the simpler side. Yeah. Um, it does have some nice nuance to it where you can collect your team members before entering modes. Um, I've started really focusing when I'm playing that, hitting the snick target for the play field multiplier. Yeah. I did something on it the other day where I got up to the five X and I collected juggernaut in a final shot and it was worth 500 million. Ooh, that was pretty sweet. That's like, pretty good. Yeah. A, yeah. Nice little feeling like that. Um, but it doesn't quite have the depth of like you're building up these things like you are in Jurassic Park. Right. Um, but yeah, like, like that's just how I would go. I've already discussed my not disdain, but not my love of uh, Willy Wonka. Like it's whatever it is. I don't think it's a bad game, but I just don't love it. Yeah. Um, and then Rick and Morty, uh, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I got to cut it, but it's, it's still super early. So as it sits, no, but you know, hopefully. 18 months from now or so whenever mine's getting built uh i'm looking really forward to seeing where that's at cool yeah how about you what would you get i'm looking at getting a jurassic park yeah i really like i I really like i mean i will say i've um i really like the elvira game a lot i just think it's i'm a huge nordman fan i think he like has good humor it's got like decent flow 
Um, that's been really fun to play. I have a friend who has one, so, you know, it's nice to be able to like not worry about losing money while you're playing. Um, so that's, yeah, that's been fun. But yeah, I think like current production wise, I would go with Jurassic Park and that's what I'm actively looking at. I just, I like the, the depth of the code makes me want to own one in my house and like really explore it. And yeah, I mean, that's where I play most of my pinball because I don't have a ton of free time. So it's like, okay, what, what have I, what have I played on location that I'm thinking about as I drive away? Right. And Jurassic Park is, is that game right now. Um, so that's what I would, that's what I would get. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's a masterpiece. Well yeah, done. It's, it's, all game. And Stern, it's, it's awesome. All right. So, um, Tommy, I think that's it. Yes, sir. Episode yeah, 98. Man, that works in, for me, dude. Episode 98 is in the books. Uh, Tommy's got a snow day. I just wrapped. I gotta go. I gotta go pick up lunch and take it to Alyssa because she didn't get a snow day. What? Yeah, her school's in the city. They plow our streets. Mine's out in the middle of nowhere. So I, I got to, an advantage. I have to go ship a, a set of Harlem Globetrotters. I just wrapped. I gotta go ship a playfield. I just wrapped 19 sets of rails. Boom. That's impressive, man. Thank Quite you. Quite the wrapper. Flight 2000 Cheetah. Sea witch, check out this. Check out the the rails that I just did. Flight two thousand cheetah, those just came in. Sea witch, attack from Mars, seven sets of quicksilver rails, data or magic, comet, two sets of Twilight Zone, Circus Voltaire, uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights, and Harlem Globetrotters. Classic Sterns for the win, man. It's pretty crazy, uh, right? Yeah, I know we're trying to go and all, but did you own a, a Circus Voltaire at one point? I did. Do you miss it at all? Um, I there's there's stuff on that game that I absolutely hate. Like I hate the the DMD animations. I hate the the um, the ringmaster is so annoying. Like meh, you know, like his callouts. It's a it's a beautiful game, but I just do not like that layout. I think it's like a, a John Pukaduke. You know, just throw everything out on the play field. That stupid ball that blocks the shot on the left. I mean, it, it, it's all stuff that looks cool, but it's, it's really made by somebody who's, it seems like they never would have played a pinball machine before. Um, just because it's all like really blocked. Like, you know, it's like the juggler, like the juggler area is cool, but it's just like, remove the juggler area, remove that section so it's not taking up so much real estate and then make stuff over in the upper left that you can shoot at. But it's really like, it's not my favorite. That's okay. That, that works. That's, I was just curious. But, um, but it's a beautiful game. And honestly, like I bought mine and I wanted to restore it because the, the game I bought, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but I bought it to restore it. And at that time, IP um, Illinois pinball was supposed to do the play fields. And so I was, like I was talking to Kim at Illinois Pinball and I was like, Hey, are the playfields coming out? And they were like, Yeah, yeah, they're coming out, they're coming out. So I had the game and I was basically like, I'm gonna I bought it to restore it. And then they bailed on the playfields or whatever happened, like they had printing issues. And so I was just like, screw it. And I think I sold it to buy my um Lord of the Rings. So which I no longer have, but I would like a Lord yeah. of the Rings back too. Makes sense. 
That's just one I've been curious about lately. I was just wondering. I thought I would do well on location. I think it would do... I think it could do well on location. I think it's really pretty. I think it's like the art package is really colorful, which I think helps. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really bright game. I mean, I could see like walking up and like as... My play style, I don't like it because I feel like it's really cluttered. Like, I like open games. One of the reasons I love Iron Maiden is because I feel like it's really open. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, really cluttered. Speaking of lo- speaking of location games, I just one thing. Um, Monster Bash, you still have it? Still doing well? No, I sold that, like, Oh, you did? Ago. Oh, shit, we haven't yep. talked in a while. No, um, yeah, that one's, that one's been gone for a while. But it was, uh, make, it was guy making money, right? Royal Rumble and my Star Wars. Yeah, it did fine. Um, yeah, it started Dan ended off. up getting one oh. in town, and I, it's just not a game that I love. Yeah. So it was kind of like, hey, if I can go play it at Dan's, why do I need to own it? Copy that. Yeah, we try not to double up too much. Um, so it was just one of those things that I could sell that and buy something else. I can't remember what I bought at the time, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't need it anymore. It uh, now I was super impressed with the quality from C- CGC. Yeah, I'm curious uh, when they're going to release Cactus Canyon because I think that's their next game. And I've heard some pretty strong rumors that they're doing uh, their own licensed game as well. Oh, like a new design, really? So I don't. I don't know what it is, but I've just heard that they're working on something. So is that the uh, Chris, that, is that the Chris Franchi one? Um, I have no idea okay. at all. Um, whatsoever. Now, I've what, really heard that it's happening. I on, haven't heard any details. On Cactus Canyon, have you heard that they are going to be doing the Cactus Canyon Continued or something similar? Or yeah, th- it would basically be a complete game, actually. The code would be redone. The code would be redone. Yes. That is a game... Uh, see, see, that's what's interesting, right? Like, so Jurassic Park Pro. Like, I, Do you like Cactus Canyon? I do. I think that game has got some th- really cool mechs in it. Yeah, I think it's I think really, it fun, to really fun but the bonus multiplier exploit on that game is awful. Oh, is it? What what yeah. what how do you do it? What is it? You just keep shooting that left loop up into the pops and there's oh, only yeah. two rollovers that are completed to do your bonus x. Copy that. And your bonus can be just massive. You can't like you, ma- you can't max it out in the game. You no. can't okay. All right. Well, hopefully they fix yeah. that. Yep, so I imagine that'll be dealt with. All right, Tommy, I have to go. I have to go. Yep, time and, to go um, ship stuff. Go ship stuff, and I will talk to you later. And this is episode 98 in the can. Later. Later, Tommy. Bye.
Yo! Yeah.